Hey everybody, it's the king of the shill. I'm gonna give you a pill, and it's the blue one. Take it. I want to. I'm not supposed to talk, but okay. <laughs> I like that. I got nerdy. Yeah, nerdy, dirty right off the bat. Hey guys, it's me. It's Terry, also known as the king of the shill. With me, as always, is TJ. That's me. I'm TJ. And we are now changing the name of the show to Burying the Lead with Big T and the Teej. Yeah, that's what they, that, that was my prison name. <laughs> well, that's what they call me. Yeah, that's my <laughs> old army handle. Well, guys, we are back. We are on schedule. Holy shit, can you believe it? We actually got back to our Tuesday, Friday regularity. I'm so proud of us. I'm talking in the future tense because I got to edit this shit tonight. <laughs> well, so so far, so good. You know, so so far so good, but we're back at it. We're excited and uh, couldn't have cooler topics. TJ uh, thought of them himself, and I know he's real proud of it. Not so only am gonna... I proud, I am fucking brimming. I am bursting at the fucking seams with excitement for these ones. The seams of your pants with your big hard shield dick. You know it. <laughs> Well, guys, it's Top 3 Tuesday, so here we go. But you know it's not up to me to bust out that docket. It's up to TJ! Yeah, it's up to me, man. Uh, That's what I do. Uh, That's one of my many duties that I carry here. Um, Guys, (laughs) Top 3 Tuesday. We got three lists for you with three items apiece, some runner-ups. Now, Terry actually was a little confused about our first topic because... I was like, huh? Well, he was more like, we already did that. But no, we didn't already do that. First off, we are going to do our top three TV show themes. And the reason Terry probably thought uh, we already did it is because we we sing theme songs a lot around here. I feel like we did it. I feel like we are ruining the show for you, the guests, and I'm sorry. I don't listen to the show. I should know this. It should be all I listen to. But that would be like the most arrogant thing I can actually think of doing. <laughs> every time we, every time you send me the link to SoundCloud, I immediately listen to it and it, I laugh my ass off. Only at the things that I say, though. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, good one, Terry. And then I say like, fucking balls, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I guys. don't even, I don't even listen to your track. So all I hear is me, and then nothing, and then me, and then nothing. <laughs> That is actually the sad truth of audio engineering. Guys, TV show themes. Uh, We're probably going to sing quite a bit on this one, too, though. So hopefully you're excited about that. Second, we guys, have you watched Daredevil yet? (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to cut myself off. Have you watched Daredevil yet? I binged it all in one sitting. I I really did. I usually can't do. Oh, wait. No, 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 I didn't. I talked to you, and you said episode three was amazing. So as soon as I got back from a long trip, I was like, all right, I'm staying up and going at least through episode three. I did that, went to sleep, and then did four through 12, one sitting the next day. That's fucking nuts. I can't really do more than, like, three hours of pop. Well, that seems odd. Well, you're made of sterner stuff than I, my friend. Um uh-huh. In honor of season two of Daredevil, which prominently features excellently and amazingly The Punisher, we're going to go with our top superhero pairings. This isn't restricted to rivalries or anything like that. This is just what two superheroes do we think go great together? The PB and J. Guys, 
Number three. Peanut butter and jizz. Peanut butter and jizz. <laughs> Dude. Um, and a dog. <laughs> before I go before I go on to our third one, yo, I saw David Cross last night. And, bro, um, he said he was jacking off to the Statue of, Statue of Liberty um, because, of, <laughs> because of patriotism or patriotism. I he really said that? Yeah, I laughed really hard. <laughs> um, number three, guys. Um, I've been poking around with this topic for a while. We are going to go and do our Hidden Treasures, Forgotten Treasures catalog. We are going to list off three things that maybe you fucking forgot about, maybe you didn't know about in the first place, but you got to check out because they are near and dear. you got to check it out. What do you guys think you're doing? All right, Terry, since uh, I'm the progenitor of all these lists, I am going to kick off my number three TV theme song. Go ahead, I Mr. Will. SAT Words. Hey, that's me. Progenitor. Yep. Progenital. Hey, we, we took the SATs when uh, you could get a 1600, and I got a perfect 800 on my English. Did wow, you... that one's a good use. <laughs> now you're a podcast host. <laughs> I'm a fucking podcast co-host. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, life gives you lemons, buddy. That's life amazing. G- yeah, it sure is. Number three, G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Fighting for freedom wherever there's trouble over land and sea and air. G.I. Joe is there. <laughs> yeah good choice good choice why um gi joe was fucking incredible now it was the america's answer to the transformers i mean all the animation was outsourced to asia of course but at the same time you didn't have fucking you didn't have gi joe without some real american icons we're talking about sergeant slaughter that's talk, true talking about the fridge now the theme song was fucking incredible it was really good but Let's see. When we talked about our top three non-Disney animated movies, I brought up Transformers the movie. G.I. Joe the movie had a perfect fucking introduction sequence featuring, like, a remastered version of the intro theme song. And it is just incredible. Have you not seen it? You are looking rather... (laughs) No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good, dude. Um, I mean, all your favorites are in it. Duke, you know... Duke and you have um you have fresh out of Miami Vice Don Johnson voicing Lieutenant Falcon. Really? Yeah, really. I do like Don Johnson. And he was uh he's uh Duke's half brother. And um I forgot who Oh, fucking uh Mickey from Rocky. He fucking vo- he voiced the He's a ribbon machine. Yeah, Burgess Meredith. He voiced the uh, the bad guy. You see, now, I don't know if you remember, uh, who was uh, uh, Cobra Commander, then the fuck, Serpentor. Serpentor became the leader of Cobra. Um, and these sort of like supernatural Cobra-based fucking weird enemies come and they try to form the the nation of Cobra La. Yeah. And Cobra Commander becomes, he finds himself allied with the Joes. 
It's true. Are you reading the plot summary on Wikipedia right now? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to get an idea of this to somehow get excited. <laughs> it's really good. No, it's it's real good actually. It's got all the action you'd want out of a G.I. Joe cartoon and it's got that theme song. So G.I. Joe's the shit. Terry. G.I. Joe. You got number three. Number three for me, I know I've sang on the show, but I'll sing it again because it's the funniest theme song unintentionally i think there is and that's charles in charge of our days in our lives do 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 charles in charge of our wrongs and our rights does i want charles in charge i mean what was that show even fucking about dude it's about okay i because i looked it up in, in in the research as they say it's about like a guy who moves to the neighborhood and he's just some single guy in his 20s and he can only afford like an apartment that's above or below this like family that lives together in a, like a suburban neighborhood and he just becomes the nanny. Like that shit would not happen in real life. He would not be in charge of days or nights because he would be busy fucking bitches upstairs above little Rachel's room every goddamn night and they would be poking at that roof with a stick. And if you know anything about Scott Bayo, you know how true that is. That's right. Wasn't there a retarded kid on that show? Uh no, but it is International Down Syndrome Day. That's right. I actually did know that. Um Thanks, Facebook. Um what was the show with the retarded kid? Uh Quirky. Do you know who I'm talking? You don't know about Corky? I thought he was in like. Uh... Who the fuck is Corky? Just Google Corky Retarded Kid, and it'll tell you right away. Oh, Corky Retarded TV show is the first thing that comes up. Oh, okay. Well, what show is that? <laughs> Life goes on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Life goes on, and like it all turned out to be Corky's dream. Um. Anyways, I'm gonna go on to my number two. Is what? I- <laughs> the whole show was just a yeah. retarded man's dream. Well, I guess in real life that's true too. Oh, oh producer jab. Um, my number two is Highlander, the series. What? What? I don't even know. I. You what? got me. Totally in the dark. You know Highlander the movie, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, and well, Highlander the TV series uh, featured Duncan McCloud just fighting episodic battles about with people through time. And it was real fucking cool. And, of course, the theme song was Queen's best overlooked song of all time, and that is Princes of the Universe. Really? Yeah, the theme song is Princes of the Universe. (laughs) That's pretty weird. Why? (laughs) Because of the one line. Okay, so it starts. Here we are, born to be kings. We're the princes of the universe. And then it kicks right up. I am immortal. I have inside me blood of kings. Yeah. And it keeps Freddie Mercury's yeah. They don't even edit that out. So it go- <laughs> it just goes back to immortality and how Duncan McLeod's, you know, there can be only one. He's the Highlander. There can be only one. That's very, very true. That's him very, facing very off true. against Sorry, other join. immortals. Sorry, I can't really join in with you on that one. <laughs> it was when like it was when Spike had their lineup figured out. And if you had to stay home from school, you could enjoy episodes of Highlander between ten and noon. <laughs> Which I did. 
I missed a lot of school. Yeah, he probably missed two. Well, no, you did fine. I did incredible. Okay, yeah, hands up, mister. All right, what's your number two, Terry? Easy. Easy now. Uh, my, my number two TV theme song is one that we all know because they just say the title a whole bunch, and I think it's awesome. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles! Heroes in a half shell. shell. Turtle, Turtle power. power. I mean, that's it. That's all you need is just yell the theme at, at these children's faces so they'll scream it right back. I know that there's a verse, but nobody cares. They're the world's they most, most foremost fighting team. They're really hip. <laughs> they're heroes in a half shell, and they're green. When the evil Shedder attacks, these turtle boys don't cut them no slack. Oh, teenagers. Teenage yeah. and, and then back to the chorus. <laughs> I don't know why. Why don't like metal bands cover that song? They should. If I had a metal band, I would cover that immediately in every show. Dude, I'm almost certain. I guarantee you. After we do this, we're going on YouTube and we're gonna find Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles metal theme. Yeah, it's probably like Teenage Mutant Ninja Metalheads. Wait, there's probably a band named after Metalhead. Well, probably. Now, you got to also give kudos to this theme song because it introduced all the characters. That's true. Yeah. Um, In a good way, too. Mikey loved pizza. Michelangelo is the party, dude. <laughs> and he was. Yeah. He, and he was. And it shows him, like, break dancing and spinning around on his shell, which is fucking cool. Um, I don't know the lyrics. Excellent. Of- yeah, sewer surfing. Um, do you have anything more to say about Ninja Turtles, bro? No, I just think it's a, well. We're only talking about the song. I can go on for days about the actual turtles. But the I know. Song was just I like nailed it. Know. And it absolutely nailed the tone of that show. It was instantly recognizable, and um, that cartoon was that eighties, early nineties cartoon. That was a that was a big deal to a lot of people, myself included. Yeah, me too man uh my number one god damn my number one it was really it resounded about every fucking show um on tgif but it was yes it's a rare condition this day and age Reading good news on the newspaper page. Love and tradition and the grand grand design. Some people think it's even harder to find. (laughs) There must be some magic through inside the walls. It was this part of the song that they showed. the little Richie and his mom, who definitely had a deadbeat dad, and they never mentioned it, but it was never only there because it was a black show. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about family matters in case you couldn't put our awesome representation. What was of the, the aunt's name? She was like a slut, wasn't she? Uh, Rachel. Aunt Rachel. Fuck but, it. yep, they yeah. found a way to put a deadbeat dad into the show. They found no a- need to. They yeah. had a perfect core with Carl. They found a way to put a TJ into that show, too. No, no, it was not TJ. It was T3. 
Remember little Richie had a friend named T3? No, but I do remember Waldo, Geraldo, Faldo. I remember all those motherfuckers. Uh, that was a great show. I don't. That was a great show. It really was. And like, Except listen, for the gun episode. That's what I'm talking about. T3. It's because Urkel has to help Richie, like, help T3 out of gang violence. Now, this show fucking really was before its time because it spoke about all the gang violence in Chicago. Yeah. And it, like, you know, it, it tackled some tough themes. Remember when Urkel got drunk? No. Yeah, Urkel went to a party and got drunk. And um, Steve or Stefan? It was Steve Urkel. Stefan knows how to drink in moderation, okay? Um, <laughs> it was Steve, and he gets fucking shit-faced. And Eddie's like, yo, where the fuck is Steve? And he looks out the window, and Steve's hanging from it. And he's like, I'm falling, and I can't get up. I swear to God, that's a real scene. I need to check that out immediately. Good pick. Good pick. Um, One last thing before we switch off Family We gotta matters. do top three TGIF someday. That would be... That's a tough one right there. Um, yeah. Do you remember the Halloween episodes? Shows. Oh, yeah. With Stevel, the ventriloquist dummy? Yes. That shit was terrifying. Yeah, but then they went to Disney World like two weeks later, so it was fine. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody was okay. Um, the scariest fucking um, Halloween episode was on Step by Step, by the way. Which one? It was the one where um, Car- Carol's pregnant and she's reading Die, Mommy, Die, Chapter One. <laughs> do you remember that? I do. I totally do. I can't believe you just pulled the Die, Mommy, there are, Die. Dude, like, seriously? That was that. Well, that was the one. Sh- like, there was sex in that show. Like, they fucked. Oh, dude. Patrick Duffy. You know he's fucking. Like, and they no, were... they, it was the only show that had, like, actual sex jokes. Like, I remember he was like, you know what always helps me? Garfield. And she's all like, oh, I, I was hoping you were going to say sex. And he's like, it is. And he's got, like, a Garfield headband on or something. It's so, the, yeah. one of the weirdest jokes. It sticks out in my <laughs> mind so much. Saying, no, I'm going to eat your orange pussy. Om, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> like lasagna. And, and then the camera pans to the window. <laughs> and Cody's like watching Lasagna. through the window. <laughs> <laughs> and Cody's looking in the window like, whoa, Carol Burger. <laughs> Getting fucked by Uncle Frankster. Uh, Uncle Frank. <laughs> okay. Moving what, on. What's your Top number three one, TV dude? song for me. Number one. Wait, hold on. I know what it is. Uh, shoot. Wonder Years. Nope. That's my runner up. I can't okay. believe that's your number one. It's not my number one. I can't believe it's not your number one, I meant. Oh. It's time to start the magic. It's time to show up right. It's time to meet the Muppets on the Muppet Show tonight. tonight. That is my favorite all-time TV theme song. Not just for the song, but also for the crazy display of Muppet action happening during it. By the end of it, there's like 50 Muppets on screen. Very true. And it features everybody, even people that you only saw in that song, period. But it even had, like, the two old guys were in it. And then Gonzo, of course, you know, blasting himself out of a cannon at the end. And just starting with Kermit every time. It's a Muppet Show! Yay! 
just an amazing, amazing program. Like, can you believe that that existed? Like that the Muppets were a primetime show like way back then in the had to be the 70s when it first ran because yes. like the Star Wars guys were on it. Yep, right after Big it in space. It was really fucking good too. Um and yeah. the subsequent like now there's an it defined a new era after Jim Henson's death when we saw Muppet Christmas Carol. Um which I thought that was his last one that he was involved in. I think he was involved in Christmas Carol. He probably dabbled, but I'm pr- Brian Henson, if I'm almost, if I'm not mistaken, directed it. I'm sure he did, but I think Jim was alive, right? Okay, hold on. We gotta Google. I never Googling stuff. When I when we do this podcast, I generally go in off my own. No, he was dead. Oh, yeah. Yay. Yeah, so, and I remember it says in memory of Jim Henson at the very end of it. Oh. Yeah. Because that was the first. That was the first of the of the Muppet movies that wasn't just like the Muppet movie or Muppets Take Manhattan or the Great Muppet Caper. Which like were it was big like, deals on their own, too. Yeah, because they did that one and they did Treasure Island. And was there another one where they just put the characters in a different story? If not, they should. They should totally do it another one. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island is a fucking great movie. I had that theme, that song in my head, and I called you. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But then you, I was like, wait, you mean shiver my t-? And I was like, shiver my soul. And then I also, I, I mean, every day. At least at some point during the day, I always have from Muppet Christmas Carol. We're Marley and Marley. (laughs) (laughs) We're Doom Scrooge. Doom Scrooge. I just every day, usually around like 1130, 1140, Marley and Marley just gets in my brain. That is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard about somebody ever. He's the one that they call Scrooge. Sorry. No, that, I mean I could legit just do songs from Muppet movies. Well, yeah, they're fucking incredible, and that just goes back to what why it's your number one pick for TV themes because it, they just have this sort of cultural sensibility that just appeals to everybody. And it was well, they also have they were born with a musicality. Like there's always been Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem as a band. There's always been Rolf playing piano. Like it, it has a musicality to it. And those guys can sing, like the Muppeteers. Like they're hitting the notes. They're singing, and it sounds great. Even in the latest movie, the song sounded good. You watched that? Yeah, it's really good. It's Man. really good. Right out of the gate, that movie's really good because right out of the gate. They comment on the fact that this is a sequel and it's definitely not going to be as good as the last movie. Like, they just, it's, oh, that it's so good. tickles your funny job. bone right where you want it to. Right. Um, so. Right under the balls. <laughs> right in the grundle. Um, right in the grundle. Tickle so. my grundle, tickle <laughs> my hole. <laughs> so, uh, my runner-up, as I said, was... Uh, Wonder Years. When it's boy meets world, boy meets world. Now the Wonder Wandering Years. Wandering down this road that we call life. I know. 
It's what, what we're, we're doing. doing. It's good to know I'll always have friends. I will stand oh, by. Ways. Count oh. on. Stand by me. When it's Boy Meets World. And that's it. Boom. Done. Show. Go. So Boy Meets World, obviously, I like. But that's more for personal reasons. Well, in Wonder Years, you have Joe Cocker uh, doing uh, Get High with the Help of My Friends by the yeah, Beatles. Yeah, we talked about we talked about that on a previous episode. That's why I, that's again why I'm a little confused because I definitely remember what would you do in a thing in a tune? Would you me? Yeah, but died like two or three years ago. What's that? Joe Cocker just died like two or three years ago, I think. Yeah, well, when it's playing like. Lend me all ears. <laughs> Sing you a song. Bravo down on the thing out of me. Oh, baby, no. Sorry. <laughs> so the home movie's playing in the background, and, like, all these little dorky-ass kids are waving at the camera and shit. And, like, that song just, like, hits me right in the left ventricle. Yeah. There's also – so there's two other songs that we should probably bring up. Um, which Sonic is... the Hedgehog. <laughs> Sonic, he can really move. Sonic, got to move. That wasn't what I was gonna bring up. I was gonna bring up Spider Man. Spider Man does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size. Catches criminals just like flies. Look out! Here comes a Spider Man yeah. and. Batman's a good one. Both of them are good one. And again, it goes back to that Ninja Turtle classic, which was probably inspired by these two. Now that I think about it, just say the name of the thing. Say the name of the toy that you're trying to sell over and over and over again. That is a good point. Um, good marketing. Yeah, good marketing. Um, my last runner up, and I just remember this would be Home Improvement. Yeah, I love. It was a simple. That was a simple one too. It was an instrumental. I believe we only went with ones with words. We did. Yeah, all mine were '80s. Um, sorry, that was my phone. You just heard, guys. I didn't hear it. Um, so next, ready to move on, Terry? I'm ready. I'm ready, too. Uh, we are going to go with superhero team-ups. Superhero team-ups. Do you want me to go first or you? Uh, you got to go first, bro. I will go first. Happy to, um, in honor of the double D hitting the small screen, I guess. The Again. silver screen. Silver screen? Well, the silver screen is like the big screen. So if you watch it on a projector, then then yes. But And it is cinematic quality, but I digress. Um Daredevil and Spider-Man have some of my favorite team-ups. Okay. Um, for for a couple of reasons. One, they kind of their banter is interesting and a little bit different because Spider-Man's like the Joker, not not literally the Joker like Batman and the Joker, but he's like the funny ones with with all the one-liners, and Daredevil's a little more serious. But Daredevil is still kind of smug at times. But I know like Spider-Man will say things like like I hate you or you know, I just really want to punch you or things like that. And it, it gets pretty fun. He And he gets super jealous of Daredevil whenever uh, Black Cat's around. There's there's a great one where 
uh, I think it's like volume three where Daredevil and Black Cat end up hooking up and fucking and, and Spider-Man gets real pissed about it. And he's just kind of making these off color, not off color, but he's just kind of making jokes the whole time about um, how angry he is about it. And he probably is a little bit angry, but it's just nice to see those two personalities because they're both two like um, gymnast, acrobatic, swinging type people. Um, you know, with the grappling hooks and with uh, Spider-Man's webs, obviously. So it's just interesting to read about a lot of their team-ups and whatnot. And in the Ultimate series, they play it a little differently because um, Peter Parker's just a kid in that one. And Daredevil is like a very hardened ninja lawyer guy. Like he's a full-on adult. So that kind of team-up's pretty cool too. But if you just want to see people kind of like flipping around and fighting and joking and 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 making jokes and fighting like legit marvel bad guys like you know like the big boys like kingpin and whatnot um it's really cool i definitely recommend you pick it up and they're always in each other's stuff so you don't have to like pick just one they're always messing around but recently i want to say probably in like probably in 2010 there's one with spider-man daredevil and the punisher they all team up and uh it's a great read wow it's a great read. These fucking New York guys. Um, I know we talked about this on an earlier podcast, so it's not one of mine, but when Marvel and DC did their crossover and Daredevil teamed up with Batman, um, that was easily one of the best stories I've ever read. I have that as a runner-up, the JLA Avengers crossover. There's two. <clears throat> uh, There's no, two. This was, this was just a one-shot. Oh, well, I was... T- okay, well... There's one of my runner-up guys. Is There's a whole series with a JLA Avengers crossover that they did in, I think, the mid-2000s. That's pretty cool. And Iron Man and Batman team up a little bit more. And there's, like, this crazy fight scene between Captain America and Batman as well that is, like, because they're both, like, very serious martial artists. And they end up ending in a draw because Batman actually talked Captain America out of it because he says, you know, you might be my equal in this. It's pretty neat. <laughs> you ready for my number three? Yeah, what's your number three? My number three, uh, just recently acquired, but I love how it was handled, is Hawkeye and Old Man Logan. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, that was a great fucking pairing. The way they fucking did all of it reaches emotional crescendos. Uh, Hawkeye's quite duplicitous. And he, blind. Um, he doesn't really seem like... Uh, yeah, I, I liked how he was blind, too. Yeah. Now, it didn't really t- talk about the extent of his blindness. Um, they He said he had glaucoma, but then he went to relying on his senses, so you got the impression that he was like using daredevil-type senses. Regardless, mm-hmm. though, um, when Lo- Old Man Logan divulges uh, how he ended up, you know, resorting to pacifism to him, it just granted this great fucking feeling between the two characters. You're looking at me. Yeah, I mean, the whole, the whole the whole read is 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 super good. And it is. Yeah, it's weird that. um it's weird that Logan in that one is the one that doesn't have the, like, cloudy past with, like, women and being kind of like a – True. Like a sc- kind of a scummy dude because usually Wolverine's the one with the past. Past loves, past people he's gotten in fights with, past friends. But in this time, it's Hawkeye really takes the lead. And 
I'm going to spoil it, but the, the death is, uh, is handled quite well. When yeah. Wolverine goes fucking nuts. Yeah, it was really good. Because um, it's the red, the red skull is the one that kills Hawkeye. Just as they get there, right? Uh, no. Um, it was like it was like Red Skull's lieutenant who shoots him there. Oh, but well, it results with uh, Wolverine decapitating a Red Skull with Captain, Captain America's, America's shield. shield, while Red Skull is wearing Captain America's uniform. Which is so, which is so fucking weird, and he acknowledges that it's weird, which is even more weird. Um, I love it. Just it, it's a uh, basically the first half of the book is just a road story. So picture like an old as fuck Hawkeye with a ponytail and old man Logan just going around in Spider Man's fucking dune buggy. Yeah, <laughs> the spider car. Yeah, it's a, it's just a really good fucking book, and I love the fucking uh, chemistry between those characters that Miller created. I, I, I really hope they bring that aspect into Wolverine 3, the Old Man Logan series. I don't know who it's going to be because it can't be Hawkeye, but um, just it was kind of like... Um, they're saying it's going to be a really There are parts really of it that are like leaving retelling. Las Vegas. Yeah. Like the two of them in the car just going through the desert. Like That's what it reminds me of. I'll give you that. Uh, I would go more fucking uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, obviously. Yeah. What did I say? You said leaving Las Vegas. With Nick Cage? You're the one who said it. I know. I meant Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's definitely a lot like Fear and Loathing, especially with fucking all the dinosaurs and shit. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's, It's awesome. It's such a good read. Good choice. Good team up. Thanks. I'm ready to hear your number two, though, bud. Uh, I'm going to borrow from you and also borrow from my first one. I love Wolverine Spider-Man team-ups. Okay. They don't happen that often, but they are Avengers. Like, both of them are Avengers at the same time. And obviously, I'm talking about Peter Parker. I will say that fucking, I know for a fact that this happens more in Ultimate. Um, The specific story I'm thinking of does not happen in Ultimate. The one of my favorite is Wolverine will just kind of show up, will just kind of spring himself on on Spider-Man as opposed to like, hey, I need something. He usually shows up as kind of a burden. And this was the best one. He just takes Spider-Man out and just starts talking to him. And he's talking to him a lot, a lot about Mary Jane. And he tells him like all these stories. And it's cool. It's kind of like sitting down with with like an uncle or or a father figure or something like that who's trying to explain something about life by kind of talking about stories. And he, he said, let me tell you a story about this guy who, you know, never went after any other girls because he was obsessed with this just one. And the story ends up with him saying, like, makes you, makes you wonder if you should have wasted all that time just chasing that one girl instead of kind of playing the field. It's just a cool, like, man-to-man conversation that they have. And Spider-Man, of course, doesn't like it because, you know, love of his life is Mary Jane. But it's just a really cool story. And they're just in a bar having a beer. And the whole time Spider-Man's like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? What is this secret mission that we're doing? And then they end up getting in a bar fight. Um, Wolverine gets in a bar fight. And at the end of it, Spider-Man's like flipping out on Wolverine. Just like saying, dude, what the hell is this mission that you needed me for? Why did you need me for this? And he said, oh, today's my birthday. And Spider-Man just realizes Wolverine just wanted to hang out with somebody on his birthday. 
and wanted a friend and that he considers Spider-Man one of his only friends. It's really cool the way they handle it. Definitely check out the read. And it just leaves a lasting impression on Peter of like, you know, who Logan is and that he really thinks of him that way. And there are several moments in the Marvel canon where the two of them do some uh, things together that like they keep from everybody else. So it's just, it's one of those cool team ups. It's like, it's like, uh, think of it like a gruff, it's like a gruff character and a silly guy. Like it's like every movie you've ever seen. You know, that has those things. I just think that's always been a cool character dynamic. And the two of them handle it very well. And sometimes I like just the way Spider-Man is. Like, he'll just be like, seriously, that dude scares me. Talking about Wolverine while Wolverine's just, like, slashing someone up and laughing and having a blast. You probably need to read Deadpool Spider-Man right now. Yeah, I I was, I hesitate, I I read their previous one. But I need to read this one. The current series is pretty good. I enjoyed it. I, I laughed a little bit. Um, I'm going to go on to my number two, though. Hit it. <clears throat> now, I did not include sidekicks on this list. Me neither. Although, this is kind of breaking that rule. Batman and Nightwing. Uh, I, I have this as a runner-up, too. And I totally think it's acceptable because... It's Batman Absolutely. and Robin is the sidekick. Nightwing is not a sidekick. And we're talking about Dick Grayson here, you know. Um, established. Well, there's only one Nightwing in there. Well, yeah. Well, I'm just fucking saying his goddamn government name, bro. Um, oh, okay. You know, fully established hero on his own, has his own methods, um, and there's a bitter fucking rivalry. It's a one-sided rivalry, but he, he just wants to fucking be able to, like, top Batman. Not necessarily top, but definitely be accepted as his own hero that's at, like, the same level. And, I mean, and eventually he does take the mantle. He's the only character who could take the Bat mantle. Jim Gordon's doing a pretty good job right now. Uh, yeah, that's over, though. That's ending. Detective Comics 50. Just came came out last week. Came out last week. He's still fucking uh, Jim Gordon. Oh, well, Batman just put himself through the machine and he remembers and basically told Alfred, let's get the fuck to work. Yeah, well, all right, all right, Terry. Um, regard- but that has been really cool. Like, not to go on a tangent, but that the Jim Gordon Batman has been really, really cool. Jim Gordon is basically fucking putting him like, you see this skinny ass motherfucker who's like, who's still able to beat people up and like, but it's Batman with a weakness. You know what I'm saying? When you see Bruce Wayne, Batman tackle shit, you're not really afraid that he's going to end up losing. Yeah. But anyways, Nightwing and Batman, like the, the chemistry and the dynamic through all their fucking history together from child to adult on uh Nightwing's part, just so fucking cool to watch them interact in the hands of a really talented writer. Um, watching Batman interact with him, so fucking good. Under the Red Hood, remember that? Yes. Starts with them. Judd Winnick, good for him. And I like that dynamic too because that is a weird one because in the book, not the movie, in the book, Nightwing comments that he was, it was him, Alfred, and Bruce when Jason died and it was the only time he'd ever seen him drink. And there's this weird scene of Bruce, like, just drinking in sorrow and Nightwing just sitting with him. Like you would do for, 
you know, like you would do for a buddy or a best friend, you know, just kind of be with someone in their pain and their sorrow. And I think that really speaks to who, um, who Dick is as a character. Yeah. And it's also awesome how almost every incarnation has Batman being super condescending to him. (laughs) That's part of the game. I mean, it's like being a soldier, right? I mean, certainly Frank Miller's Batman was beyond that. (laughs) That shit was ridiculous. Sit up straight, Carrie Kelly. That shit was ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I I liked a lot of the shit he did with that, but that shit was fucking over the top. Dick is is the best Robin and the best hero. I mean... He became the, the Batman and did a great job. Him and Damien, their team-ups, by the way. I don't know if that's next on your list, but um, Dick and Damien as Batman and Robin, handled by Grant Morrison probably three years ago, is fantastic. It's hilarious because Damien's such a little prick. Yeah, he is. He is. Such a douche. But um, that's a super good read. I'm ready for your number one, though. My number one is the big two, man. Batman and Superman. Okay, that that's good because mine is the inverse of that. It's really the Joker and Lex Luthor. Not really the inverse. Go ahead no. though. Well, it's just I mean it's the big two, the original two superheroes teaming up. I love that they are opposites who understand each other. I love that they're there in each other's darkest moments. Like that's a recurring theme for me. Like. I like when the hero is depressed and having a problem and they have that one guy or one character. Batman has a couple, actually, but Superman has Batman. Like, Superman entrusted Batman to kill him if necessary. Gave him the means to kill him if necessary. And um, Batman has expressed that, you know, if if something bad happened with Wonder Woman, the other message of the of the Trinity, if there's no Superman, you cannot stop her. She would be an unstoppable being. So there's just, like, they have this relationship with each other that is beyond any other hero relationship that I know of in comics. Like, the two of them trust each other as partners more than anybody else. And they are their two own complete unique things. One of the best examples of this, by the way, is in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited cartoon, which obviously had the big three as as a main focus, but it really showed different, like a Batman that was always ready to die. There's one specific one where Batman um, knows Superman will stop him and kind of lies to him to essentially save the universe and is piloting this ship knowing he's going to die and has accepted it. And at the last second, um, Clark rips him out and pulls him away and saves his life. And they just kind of joke about it. He's just like, oh, you had to be the hero, didn't you? And he was like, I was ready to end the mission and whatnot. But just just that dynamic between the two of them that you don't see among many other characters. And remember, this is a man and an alien. This is a, man, this is a regular mortal man and essentially an immortal god. And I love seeing them team up. And I love Batman being so tough and so strong as a character that he'll tell this, this god... You know, fuck off. You're wrong. And you have no control over me. And I'll put you down in the ground if you disagree. That is friendship. That is 
team-ups to me is being so comfortable with someone that you can tell them to kind of screw off or tell them that they're doing the wrong thing. And that's who they are to each other. So there's a million and one examples of this happening, but I love watching their team-ups. Yeah. Uh, Batman, Superman, uh, comic book team-ups, like if they're restricted to uh, an issue, usually shows a softer Batman. Usually, yeah. If you see like Batman, Superman, or Superman, Batman comics, it's usually showing a softer Bruce Wayne. You don't really see the the darkest side because they more or less balance him out with uh, Superman. But yeah, no, that, that's a good pick. Um, I it's very timely I also, too. I also love that they are um, like one is day and one is night. One is bright and shining, and one is dark and brooding. Like they they are perfect complements to each other. That was and and sorry, I, I just got to keep going. There's an awesome episode of Batman the Animated Series, which I think is based on a comic where, and they've done this a bunch of times, where they'll fill in for each other. Where Superman will put on the Batman costume so that Bruce Wayne can prove that he isn't Batman. But at the same time, the villains don't know it either. So they just drop a huge fucking like rock on him and crush him and he should be dead. But because Superman's and he just picks it up and throws it at him and Robin's like, yeah, he's been working out. It's just a really, really good one. Yeah. They, they just did that in uh Superman Batman issue 30 actually. Oh really? Yeah. Um, that's a good choice. Uh, How is that comic by the way? Is it good? Worth picking up? That's pretty good. I would say the, uh, Superman American Alien is like the best one they're putting out right now. Man, I gotta write that down. I'll read that. Superman American Alien. Cool. It's real fucking good. Um, my number one is the secondary version of that. You got the Holy Trinity of the Justice League, and then you got the bit players who is most powerful under Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. That would be Hal Jordan and Barry Allen. Barry Allen. Killer team up. Love it. Green Lantern and the Flash go hand-in-hand. Hand. They are a great fucking team. He's basically, you see them together in the sides of, side panels of issues of Justice League comics, um, just, like, joking and talking shit. Um, when the Lanterns come to the foray in the Blackest Night series, when everybody is dubbed a Lantern, uh, I want to say Barry is blue for hope. And it's just really cool how Will and Hope go together like that. And... Basically, like, they are just a known quantity. Hal Jordan, Barry Allen. Well, I like them, too, because it essentially can be like a cop show with the two of them. Because Barry is an investigator, and Hal, for lack of a better word, is a, is a space cop. So, like, they, he relies on him sometimes for, like, scientific things. And, um, you know, if, if Barry needs the big guns, Hal's always there to help him. True. Um, also... They are the most recognized essence of the Silver Age of comics in DC. They were born. Yeah, they they were the ones who were born from the revamps of the Flash and the Green Lantern series. Oh, yeah. Barry and Hal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Came about at the same time. And uh, when Hal travels through time to uh, meet. Jay Garrick, um, you have Hal meeting Alan Scott at around the same time, but their stories parallel each other a lot. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think they're fucking great buddies. Yeah, they are. They are. Do you have like a specific issue or a story that you can recall? No, not at all, actually. It's the very essence of reading. It happens all the time, but. Yeah, it's the very essence of reading DC comics. There is no fucking like super important story where you see the two of them like join paths. It's just like those two are just like, you know, just pals. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately I cannot cite my source this time around. That's okay. But it was a big deal to Hal. By the way, both of those characters died and came back. Both of them were reborn. Barry was gone forever, dude. He's gone for, tw- he's gone for 20 years. He came back in infinity. Yeah, he, he was gone for a long-ass fucking time. And uh, I want to say Hal was gone for like eight eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So do you have any runners-up, Terrence? I have a ton, actually. Holy shit. Um, a great series right now is um, Red Hood and the Outlaws. But it's specifically about Red Hood and Arsenal, who is uh, the former Speedy, who yep. is a recovering heroin addict, and they treat him like one, which is kind of cool that that continuity is still there. But they have a great team up together. And uh, what's her name? Starfire is there, too, from time to time, and she, like, bangs both of them. It's a It's a pretty interesting dynamic between them. Um, Because Red Hood is essentially Batman with an attitude. And Arsenal is a lot like Green Arrow, but also kind of his own thing too. It's just a really neat dynamic that you don't see that often in uh, superhero comics. It just, it feels, sometimes feels like a a drama in, with guns and, and, but it's really just about these two guys interacting and both of them have passed both of them have issues and uh red arrow for the longest time like they ignore that heroin shit yeah it's back like he is a recovering addict killer croc is his sponsor that's awesome making that up (laughs) but (laughs) is his sponsor and like every once in a while um arsenal will be like yeah i just got off the phone with waylon and they're talking about fucking croc that's good. I like that. Yeah. So, do you have any? Um, you can keep going. Uh, sure. I I do have one that I'm saving. Um, my next one is um, Punisher and Nick Fury. Back in the '90s, used to do these crossovers, and they actually had an arcade game that kicked fucking ass with the both of them, and it was just punching and guns. And it was the white Nick Fury, like it was, you know, the one of the Howling Commandos from the original Marvel Universe, not the black yep. one. And uh, him and Punisher just ripping through people and tearing them to shreds. There's a lot of, like, bloodlust in those ones, which is cool because I think the reason I like those is because it's it's two soldiers. Like, yes, one of them has a skull on his chest and they're fighting supervillains. But it's two, like, hardened, tough soldiers who kind of understand each other. And I like when uh, – I like tough guys bonding over being tough guys. I think that's always a win in a, in a comic book. I'll give you that. Um, I'm going to go with mine real quick. Um, I said I wasn't going to do Batman and Daredevil, but there was another Marvel DC crossover that I just couldn't ignore, and that was Green Lantern and the Silver Surfer. When did that happen? It was a one-shot, but it was so fucking good. 
I mean, there is a Spider-Man Batman that yeah. came out once. Now you got basically this after he's freed from Galactus's rule, uh, Silver Surfer is more or less like a free agent, you know, uh, being a intergalactic vigilante. And then you have the Green Green Lantern, and he is the fucking intergalactic police agent. See, so he, tell me how that isn't a fucking great team up. Oh yeah, it makes sense. Do, do you remember what they went after or anything? Um, I want to say uh, Thanos was a uh, Silver Surfer's antagonist, and Green Lantern brought in oh Parallax. Oh, it was Kyle Rayner. Yes. Cool. Did you already say that and I missed it? No, I you oh, ju- right. no you fucking reminded me because it was in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was Kyle Rayner fighting Parallax and then Silver Surfer with uh, Thanos, and they just fucking have to. It, it was a really good pairing. <laughs> I don't remember what it was, but there was a series like, and it was a Marvel DC, but it was like a it was like a DC versus Marvel Battle World, and there was a really cool team up that was not a team up. It was actually they fought. It was Wolverine versus Lobo, and it was. It was, the, it was the it was the same fucking thing, same series. Oh, it was yeah. Where each of them, and they had like the amalgams. Do you remember the 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 oh, amalgam God. universe where like Joker was mixed with Sabretooth and Batman was mixed literally with with Wolverine? Howard really the duck. Howard the duck was mixed with like Punisher or something. <laughs> really? Howard the duck was in there, and it was retarded. I do re- the Wolverine and Lobo one, you should definitely watch because it's just two guys like getting drunk and then beating the shit out of each other in a bar. And at the end, like Lobo always has a cigar. And at the end, you just see Wolverine pick up the cigar with his claw and smoke it. Like, it's just so cool and badass. Sounds tight. Do you uh, have any more? I do. I love Constantine and Zatanna. Okay. When they team up, that is a really, really cool thing. They did a great job with Justice League Dark when it first came out in, like, I think 2010. It's definitely worth the read. They have a love story between Constantine and Zatanna, which did exist before. Um, she showed up in Hellblazer a bunch of times as, like, an ex-girlfriend and one of the people they love. They make the love story element way stronger in the DC series, and it's really, really good. But they just... He is kind of like um, – it's like a Lady in the Tramp type of team up, you know. He is just kind of this scoundrel, and she is like this perfect uh, magician's assistant type thing. And that actually leads me into – but it's really cool. Like if you like the magic and you if you like the um, supernatural element, read some of their stuff because it, it's, it's pretty cool when they team up. Well, you Swap mentioned Lady in the in Tramp. Uh, she's got the fucking training, and he's – got the experience yeah every everything he knows is from previous fights and everything she knows is from learning yeah from her father who was uh who constantine ended up having to like kill so there's that whole element too which is weird forgot constantine killed her dad but i mean it was kind of like one of those you got to where, like, he was like, you got to kill us both or something because he was, like, fighting some monster. And the only way it was, like, to lock him up. I don't remember. But um, – and then I got another here, which is uh, – still with Zatanna. Batman and Zatanna. That's a really cool team up when they do it. And I'll tell you why. Don't know it. Oh. 
they've done it. They did it in the cartoon twice, and they did it in the comics once. And it's essentially the same story. Like Batman needs help from a. There's like a magical threat, so he calls her, and she shows up. What what ends up happening though, and the reason why I love this partnership so much is there's a part in it where they have a, like a moment and you know Zatanna straight up asks kind of Batman to or Bruce to like can we do this can we be together type thing and it's like this love story that I didn't see coming at all and he uh, he ends up rejecting her and just saying you know I can't do that for anyone um, and if you mean too much to me to put you in that kind of danger, it's this really interesting look at that potential dynamic and that they love each other. It's very strange because that doesn't happen to Batman very often. But in this case, it's like another hero, like a Wonder Woman sometimes, but not really. Um, this was like legitimately a love interest who is also a superhero for Batman. And it's really cool. Wow. Did not know that. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. Like if you if you read about it and and Paul Dini who invented of course. Harley Quinn and also wrote all of Batman the animated series, really really Zatanna is his favorite character, so I think that's why it happened. Okay. Uh, uh, I got another one for you and it's my last holy one. Holy shit. One. This guy. I love comics, man. I love comics. I love the relationships. This one I fucking love know. science. I fucking love Seeking. So do I. Terry, last team up, please. Last team up is Robin and the Joker during the events of Batman R.I.P. And just after. Okay. You remember? Uh, Joker. Vaguely explain it to us all. So um, Bruce is dead. And Robin is trying to figure out like what happened to him or trying to figure out how to bring him back or something. And he meets this stranger. He meets this tall, thin stranger like in a graveyard who knows Bruce Wayne and knows who Batman is. And they start teaming up and they get in all these fights and they're working together, legitimately working together. And it's revealed at the end that this stranger was actually the Joker the whole time who is also trying to get Batman back. He... He keeps calling Dick the imposter because he knows he's not Bruce. He knows he's not his Batman. So he's been trying to get his Batman back, and he would go so far as to work with his son to revive him and bring him back, and it's all part of the mystery of Bruce coming back. But it's just really cool to see a completely sane, completely serious Joker in disguise. You wouldn't know that there's a crazy laughing clown under that. And uh, by the end of it, I think he does end up turning on him and tries to, like, gas him or whatever. But they legitimately work together to try and bring back Bruce Wayne. It's really cool. And this is an R.I.P.? It's either an R.I.P. or the return of Bruce Wayne. But it's it's in the Batman and Robin comic. Okay. Because I do not remember that from R.I.P. R.I.P. had the... Oh, it's after R.I.P. Yeah, because R.I.P. had the Joker with the slick back hair and the razor blade. Right, yeah. So it's the next time you see Joker after that. Okay. But it's still it's still a Grant Morrison Grant Morrison treatment, so it's you know it's real, real good. I believe it, man. Uh can we close the book on superhero team ups? <laughs> yes, we can. Book closed. Just like Closing the book. Just like the Bible. 
Man, comic books are my Bible, dude. Teach hey. me right from wrong. That's all right, man. Books closed. What book are we opening? We are opening a little book that I like to call Hidden Treasures, or shit that you may not have thought about in a very long time if you knew it at all. Um, this is some shit. I, I look at my shelf, and I see some things that nobody else knows about, and I just want to talk about it, you know? Yeah, and nobody knows it but me. Yeah. That's a, who who's it, saying that? That's poetry. <laughs> um so just to give you an example, I Terry already knows what my number 3 is. It is the 90s puppet-based show that was on ABC Dinosaurs. those fucking costumes were great dude yeah how expensive were they they must have each one must have cost at least thousands yeah no question of thousands by the way anybody who wants a great introduction to this show other than watching the show Google the um, Carl Sinclair singing Biggie. It's Earl. 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 Uh, Earl. Sorry. Sorry. Is Earl Sinclair, and yeah, he definitely looks like Biggie. Um, Biggie, Biggie, Biggie. Now, this was one of those fucking shows that came out in the era of uh, Family Matters and shit, so it had to have a breakout star. Who was the breakout star, Terry? It was Baby. baby. It was Baby Sinclair. Uh, not the mama. That's right, dude. Gotta love me. <laughs> I'm the baby. Gotta love me. Big purple eyes, very cuddly. Hit my daddy with a frying pan. Did you watch the video? Yes. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> now, there was an episode of that show where they thought that they accidentally got the wrong baby. And really? I don't remember that. And so they go to another family and like the father of the other family is like wearing a yellow shirt and like a diaper. And he's like, hey, look at me. And uh, the other baby like is wearing a flannel and he's green. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's hilarious, dude. Like that show was fucking very avant garde, man. Okay. Oh, yeah. And there was like the the grandmother who was kind of crabby. Oh, hella crabby. And they... Yeah, they it was they lampooned everything about like the current state of affairs. They were talking about like, you know, Reagan. They were talking about like MTV and shit like that. It was just a really good show. <laughs> it was hilarious too. Like Fran. Yeah, there was a, <laughs> the guy who voiced like he had a great he had a great voice for the guy who was leading the show. I like his job was just pushing trees over like he was a construction worker. That's the right. The guy from the Jeffersons was his boss and a crazy triceratops that was like eating these live things and Carl or Earl was all upset about it. Dude. Uh, one of my favorite things of that show, it's in the very first episode, it's the news. The news is like Yeah. They do this like weather forecast and it's like tomorrow will be sunny and then the day after a giant comet will be smashed into the earth feeling it's all into an ice age but let's hope that doesn't happen that's how the show ended dude it is last episode was the extinction of the dinosaurs i don't remember that they all just died the comet came 
and they died. Did I don't they show know. them dying? No. I, I forgot how it actually went down, but it was dark. It was <laughs> quite dark. I'm sure it was. Anyways, dinosaurs. You can YouTube a lot of the full episodes. It, it, it's a really good fucking show. Terry. Oh, yeah. What's your number three hidden treasure, dude? I can't wait to hear it. My number three is hidden treasure. So I kind of want a different way with this. It's not just shows, but also like specific characters from shows. I mean, they're hidden treasures. And for me, in the 90s, one of the funniest things I ever saw in my life. Minkus. No. (laughs) No. But Minkus and Mr. Turner and the episode where they graduate high school and they come back is pretty cool. But no. It's the yes guy from The Simpsons in the 90s slaughters me anytime I see it. He's just this random character that's oh, only I, in like three or four episodes. But like Homer takes the mayor to like dinner and he's like, excuse me, do you have a uh, seat for the for the mayor? And he looks at him and he has this big smile and he goes, yes! <laughs> Every time. <laughs> and Homer's like, okay. Is there a seat for me too? Yes. Why do you talk that way? I had a stroke. <laughs> it's just they use him sparingly. He's the funniest guy. You see him again when Homer's going like jewelry shopping, and he sees Homer coming in, and he goes, "Oh no! Oh no! Oh no!" And then Homer pulls out like a wad of cash, and he goes, "Oh yeah!" <laughs> it's just the funniest fucking voice. Ever. And the character is just there just to be super, super silly. And those are my favorite Simpsons characters. But the yes guy, look him up. It's He's hysterical. That, like, here's the weird thing. If you watch The Simpsons, like every other American watched The Simpsons, like, you know every little reference. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even have to keep a catalog. You've just seen The Simpsons enough to know who Terry's talking about. So, yeah. Kudos. Kudos to you, Thank Terry. You. Thank you. I will now go on to my number two, and that is Stella. Ah, oh, that is a good poll. It takes uh, three of the funniest comedians from the state, Michael Showalter, Michael Ian Black, and David Wayne, and they have their own you know, comedy team, and they just throw them on this fucking show. Where they get in the most retarded situations, and it's fucking hilarious. But One it's not scene. like a situational comedy. Like, it's very out there. Like, they're breaking fourth wall and that kind of humor. It's fantastic. Uh, very absurdist. Um, very in the vein of their own comedy stylings. Uh, the first episode was them, um, let's see, getting, getting back to their apartment and... Uh, Shut up, old maid! I, I, you're looking at me and you're expecting more and I just like can't deliver the entire premise. But basically the episode is they get kicked out of their apartment. They have to find a new apartment and they try to go to a co-op gentleman for the co-op all black. And there's three black guys on the co-op and they just dance for them with skunk tails and then they try to get their old apartment back and they find out that their landlord was a Nazi. I remember on that show, one of my favorite things was like, it's just them like eating breakfast in, the, in their, well, the first thing that happened is they all just kept coming out of their 
um, like closets and rooms wearing different clothes and like they're wearing like sailor outfits and all sorts of things. And finally they get their suits on. Then they go to the, they're having breakfast and they're talking and Michael Ian Black's like, well, that's the thing about tragedy is tragedy is so tragic. And that's why, you know, tragedy shouldn't be involved in tragic situations. And then Michael Showalter just looks at the camera and goes, and then I say something. And then the next guy <laughs> jumps in. It's one of my... <laughs> And uh, we should go skateboarding. Just the <laughs> oh, weird yeah. cutaways in this show were so funny. They start a fire in the middle of their apartment and the landlord comes. <laughs> but by far, my favorite part of that series. The rap. The rap battle. Is the rap. Is when they get in a battle against these kids who are mean. And the first thing is the kids show up like a gang and they have weapons and they go, oh, they have nunchucks. <laughs> they have knives and nunchucks. And Michael Showalter just looks like terrified. And the way they get out of it, it's like, we're going to, st- the kid goes to throw a punch. I think at David Wayne and his hand gets stuck in midair. And he's like, why can't I do it? What is that? And he goes, that's the power of friendship. And they launch into like this rap where Michael Showalter, well, I'm David Wayne, and I'm here to say there's got to be a better way. <laughs> Drawing and painting and other creative things. Oh, my God. And now I'm going to hand it to Michael Show. A rock ha 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 I can't believe I'm laughing at my own suggestion, but holy shit. Guys, Google Stella. Get season one on DVD. It's got to be like four bucks at Walmart. It is fucking amazing. Canceled after one season on Comedy Central, but holy shit, I don't care. They did a stand-up special, too, with all three of them, remember? And I just remember this one part where David Wayne kept going, you're going to get a bellyache show, Walter. Shut the fuck up, David! (laughs) That's how it is. And it was kind of like to represent the end of the series, but one of the things is like, man, I can't believe how much I'm going to miss Michael Showalter. And how much I'm not going to miss that dirty Jew, David Wayne. <laughs> that was a lot. Yeah. So good. Because they're, they're all Jews. And Bradley Cooper was in it, too. He played Bill. Bill's a bub. Bial's a bub. <gasps> it's satin. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, before you like keep making me laugh by reciting like scenes from this show, what's your number two, bro? I might be cheating a little bit because this isn't from the 90s, but it is – I I think it is still a hidden treasure. I think all our listeners will know, but mainstream media – the mainstream doesn't know this as, as much as it is and certainly doesn't appreciate this show for what it is. And that's Rick and Morty. Oh, man. Bitch. If you haven't seen Rick and Morty, like you are missing out on one of the funniest shows I've ever seen in my life. There, every comedian you could ever want is on the show, but just the it's this sci-fi animation with the harshest like grandfather and this teenage boy team up that you've ever seen. Like Chris Parnell's in it, and um, just there's just so many fun moments on this show. But one of our favorite things is Scary Terry. Scary. I'm Scary Terry. Who is essentially a Freddy Krueger. And they comment on the fact like, wow, this guy's jokes are really one dimensional. And he certainly says the word bitch a lot. Oh, bitch. (laughs) I I can't do it justice. The show is just too intelligent and too funny for me. But there is a crazy bunch of scenes in in this show. There's so many things. One of my favorites is... 
they're at like this high school party and the the cool football guy's about to show up and Tracy says, oh my God, mess up my hair. I want to look really drunk when he comes in. And then the guy walks in and goes, oh, check it out. Tracy looks real drunk and just keeps walking. But it's like that kind of humor. And uh, the, let's not the, forget who created the show. Oh, yeah. Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon from Community. Yeah. So if you have any loyalty com- to Community, I, I mean, it's not the same style of humor as Community at all. No, nah, it's not that far from it, though. Like, the delivery and the acting is similar, but it's definitely more intense. Yeah. And, and, and more aggressive. Very aggressive. Violent, too, but oh my God, it is so good. Oh, bitch. Now, they only show it like once every two years. I guess it just takes them a long time to make. So there's only been two seasons, even though it's been around for like four or five years. Yeah. Um, what was it? What was it based? Oh, it was based off of uh, Back to the Future, right? Yeah, it's based off Back to the Future. Weird Back to the Future cartoons that Justin Roiland used to do. Uh, good choice. Good yeah. choice. But Guys, definitely check it out. So good. Um, ready for my number one? Yes. Might be the same as your number one. I think it is. Clone High. Yeah, that's the number one hidden treasure. If you haven't seen this show, guys, it was on in the 90s, and it is one of, or no, I think it was early 2000s. Early 2000s, we were still in high school. And Jesus, this this show has brought me to tears from laughing more times than I can count. I I cannot believe this show doesn't have more of a following. It was only 24 episodes, Canadian. It's the show they did. 12 episodes, bro. There's only 12 total? 12 total. Wow. This is the show, that, by the way, that Phil Lord and, uh, or is it? Lord Phil Miller. Lord and Tim Miller. Phil Lord This is their first Chris thing, Miller. who brought you Scrubs and brought you the Lego movie. The Lego movie especially, I noticed a lot of the style of humor from Clone High is in that show. And 21 Jump Street. And 21 Jump, oh my God, yeah, that's right, but. Like, this is where it all started. It's a cartoon, so they can do way more stuff. One of my favorite gags is just um, when Abe Lincoln looks at Gandhi and goes, numbers don't lie. And then a number three comes running past and goes, I'm a number five. Basically, every single joke. So if you go on the Clone High website, they tell you about the writing process, and they would just – have these fucking post-it notes that they would write jokes on and they would just throw them in the center of a table and call them wacky stacks. <laughs> really? Yeah. They would just keep building on a joke and building on a joke, like all the writers in the room, until they had like a stack of fucking post-it notes and they'd call them wacky stacks. That's awesome. Basically, like They nailed this show. Like it, it had all the tropes of a teen drama legitimately and amped them all up to 10 so that it was comedic. And the voice cast on this thing, by the way, was amazing. Will Fort. Will Forte was uh, Abe Lincoln. Joan of Arc was uh, Nicole. What's her name? Who's also on Family Guy. Gandhi was Mike. Uh, was a dude from Mad TV who was really funny. I don't know who did the JFK voice, but it was fucking perfect. Oh, you're uh, wanna party platter. <laughs> Cleopatra was um, was uh, went on to Scrubs. The the um, not Doctor Kelso, but the other doctor 
his wife who shows up was Cleopatra. But the thing about this show was it had the fact that it was making fun of teen dramas, but it also had the insanity of like a Warner Brothers cartoon or more like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. It had like the craziness, particularly with Principal Scudsworth and his robot butler, Wesley. Mr. Butlertron. Mr. Butlertron, who always called people Wesley. After Mr. Belvedere. And had a sweater. You remember when he took his sweater? Yeah. Um, but there was an episode with Scudsy and what was the name of the squirrel? I just remember the crab that showed up at the end. You've got crabs, ass face. Um, it was like I remember Ashley Parker Angel was on an episode <laughs> from O Town. <laughs> um, what was the fucking uh, it, bitch? <laughs> like try and catch me bitch yeah it was a skunk and it like kept shitting in scudsworth's face <laughs> and like ripping him apart but there were a lot of funny things when life gives you lemons you clone those lemons and make super lemons um dude i will tell you right now geshi <laughs> oh yeah geshi get blushy do you remember when Abe Lincoln's fucking running for uh, stu- president of student council and he has his own extreme sports <laughs> Oh, tip? yeah, and he gets sponsored by, like, essentially Red Bull. So Put he- it in your face hole! It's like, Blushy! <laughs> yeah, no, that shit was... Guys, in case you... We didn't even explain the premise. Um, historical figures are cloned, and they're at high school age, so they all go to the same high school. And it is fucking genius. Um, there's an ADD episode. <laughs> oh, and they treat it like HIV. Am I dying? <laughs> yeah, Gandhi has ADD, and uh, he basically they lift their palms upwards to signify if something serious is happening. Am I <laughs> dying? God, I'm trying to think of my favorite jokes from that show. Oh, raising the stakes. Raising the stakes with Jack Black. Jack Black guest starred in an episode, and it was hilarious. It was very good. I'm the pusher. Your barbecue <laughs> chicken is hardcore very dry. Larry. His name was Hardcore Larry. Um, Joan of Arc's, they all had step-parents, by the way, that were hilarious. Joan of Arc's stepdad was this guy named Toots, and whenever he showed up, he always made mention of that. He was like, I'm I Toots. may be blind, but... <laughs> now... He, he sh- I remember specifically he showed up at like an angry mob and he was like, now I may be blind, but I see a lot of people who are having their rage put in another way. I also see that this is not the post office, which is where I was trying to head. I'll let y'all get back to your meeting. And then they just start rioting and fucking like break down the town. And the principal's all excited and he's like, did you see the riots? Do you see the pool? They flipped the bitch. They flipped the bitch. Uh, now, we need to talk about the finale. Oh, yeah. This show was never finished. It ended on a cliffhanger. Um, two romantic leads copulating in a way that he didn't want them to. But who was the guest star on the finale? Do you remember? Stamos. John, John Stamos, Stamos. himself. John Stamos, who had an eternal rivalry with Principal Scudworth. 
who he stabbed in the eye with his crown. <laughs> so good. So, and the running story is that Abe Lincoln was in love with Cleopatra because she was hot. But Joan of Arc was there the whole time who was really in love with him. And his best friend was Gandhi. And Abe was just a loser trying to um, get the girl and be cool. And it essentially follows him. And they do it in like such a funny way. They have like a film festival that is – good God, it's funny. There's songs and dances in it. And um, I never – there's nothing in the rule book that says a giraffe can't play football. Now feel it. There's nothing in the rule book that says a giraffe can play football. Luke Perry's in it. Luke Perry was on Litter Kills, literally. <laughs> what was, let's see, what did Gandhi do? Gandhi had, oh, the best dudes for life. Do you remember that one where they had like matching, matching medals? lockets. <laughs> and they didn't like do a high five. <laughs> he was like, sorry, Gandhi, I'm kind of tired. And he's like, oh. And then they have that song when he's driving. It's like, remember the memories. Copy the DM. And it just keeps showing like Gandhi's shit, shoving shit up his nose. <laughs> Music is everywhere. You're right. It is. It's everywhere. There's just a lot of like awkward jokes in it. It, it really, God, that was funny. And then the fucking, uh, during the Christmas episode. Oh, uh, the what, the Frankenstein. Gim- Gimmel. Dreidelstein. Dreidelstein, sorry. Gimmel. And uh, when he fucking, uh, they try to invent their own fucking fork and knife. And they call it Sir Slice and Spear. <laughs> and then they end up calling it the Nork. That's right. Oh, my God. So much to say about that show. Guys, you got to watch that episode. Maybe we'll do like a commentary on those because like I literally shit my pants laughing to this show. Wait, do you still have a number one? This is my number one. We met. Oh, up that's right. One. I, that's right. I was like, we've been talking about this for quite some time. Yeah, I'm trying to remember some of the funny funnier moments from this dude there's no reason to explain um i'm pretty dude the- isn't coulier in it dave coulier i uh, know they mentioned dave coulier because they have a mary kate and ashley olsen uh monster mm-hmm. oh gandhi's on a dance team and he wears like a gold unitard or something and he's wearing it underneath and it has to do with the ADD. But at one point he's dancing too much and they're like, oh my God, she's out of control. Gandhi, you can't stop. But he's just dancing and that's like signifies the ADD attack. <laughs> yeah, and they like say you can get it off to- toilet seats. Gandhi's got ADD. Gandhi's got ADD. <laughs> Don't tell Paul Revere. Don't tell Paul Revere. <laughs> Too late! Gandhi is ADD! Gandhi is ADD! Oh, man. Andy Dick has some of the funniest voices in this show. Him as the cop, he has one of my favorite lines I've ever heard. Underage drinking. How are you, underage drinking? Aside from illegal. 
And then when Joan runs – oh, my God. That's the best scene in Clone High is Joan and Abe are sitting at a table, and she gets up and leaves, and Abe just goes, Joan, and starts looking from table to table. And um, he finds her, and he's like, Joan, what are you doing here? This table hasn't even been bust yet. And then I, the cop shows up and is like, we put on an APV on your missing friend, Abe. It's okay, officer. I found her. <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest scene. When when uh don't get on that plane. Yeah, when he's running through the airport, <laughs> it's the same. Episode. No, bet. Hold on, best when he uh asks his TV VCR minimize <laughs> <laughs> VCR enhance, and it, it, she sees his Letterman sweater around her neck. How did they get my spaghetti video? Mm, I love this baby. <laughs> Abe Lincoln says he doesn't he, oh what is it it's the one where he's running for it's like Abe Lincoln says that he doesn't eat babies or no Abe Lincoln claims he doesn't eat babies but have you ever heard him say he doesn't it's just some of the best attack ads oh my god best show of all time and you know what hurts the worst this nail I just stepped on <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I gotta watch an episode, guys. On a potty platter. The JFK is probably the best. Storms are brewing. Storms are brewing. Storms are brewing in my heart. <laughs> Get off my dinghy. Not you. That's probably that's from the first episode. The first, just watch the first episode, guys, and. You will love it. It's called Escape to Beer Mountain, A Rope of Sand. And if you go on their website, they say because you can write in any essay. You can subtitle any essay, A Rope of Sand. Really? And get away with it. There's still a site up. Clonehigh.com, you can get wallpaper. Yeah. Like, so I, uh, I actually, in high school, because of that, Subtitled one of my essays of Rope of Sand. <laughs> oh, and in college, too. Several times. Oh, man. I'm looking at the gallery. Oh, I remember one of my favorites. There's one where Joan of Arc poses as Jean Dark, a yeah. guy, and gets it on puts the basketball a mustache team. On. And, like, the, the best scene, though, of that is they're in the locker room. And she's, like, looking at the dicks. <laughs> and she is. And um, they have this thing where, like, she's trying to blend in. So they're all talking about, like, sexual conquest. And he, and JF, he, he's like, so I met this girl. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and we went out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I brought her home and gave her a kiss. Intruder! Intruder! And then I nailed her. Yeah! <laughs> It's one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still do that joke today. I love it. There's so many things and jokes from this show that came out in 2007 that I absolutely still use to this day, and they're just as funny. Clone High was in like 2003, 2004, dude. We were in high school. Oh, oh, that's right. Even still, like, there's a the, some of the jokes are a little old, like there's Dawson's Creek references and whatnot, but it holds up, man. It's so silly and so funny. And the guest stars, I guess, too. But watch the show. 
this watch the show, show was uh the main reason I picked this topic. Like yeah, I've wanted to rap about Clone High for a long ass time. So good. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, I think that's it. Ready to put this one to bed? Let's put this bad bitch to bed. All right, guys. You know how to follow us, right? Wait, what's that? You don't? Listen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gmail. You can find us on Gmail, or of course, came the show one at gmail.com. We are Gmail. KOS Podcast on Instagram. Don't be afraid to finish the official website at KOSpodcast.com and of course Facebook.com slash King of the Shill. Guys, if you are hearing me say this right now, like you listen to a lot of Cologne High jokes. You should just watch the show. Anyways, we thank you for listening so much. Seriously, every one of you matters. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Rate the episodes. Rate them real high. Some of you guys I'm talking have... to you, Doug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a clone high joke. You'll get it when you watch it. Bitch. Yeah, bitch. Bitch. Scary Terry, bitch. Watch that, too. Watch Rick and... Watch everything that we brought up. We love you. We'll see you soon. Terry can sign off if he wants, but I will say right now, hey, guys, here's my catchphrase. Piss in my mouth. And shit in his face. And then jizz on his tits. Keep recording. Just, just keep it up, man. <laughs>